I mentioned that our, our church is in full Christmas mode. Uh, my family is also in full Christmas mode. I, I love the Christmas season. Uh, it's my favorite season of the year. Like I, I love seeing all the lights. I love the Christmas movies. Like I love all the popular ones like Home Alone and Elf. But I also like the lesser known ones like The Preacher's Wife. Okay, I see a few faithful. Uh, some of you are like, what? The Preacher's Wife? All I need to tell you about The Preacher's Wife is Denzel and Whitney. Denzel Washington's an angel and uh, Whitney sings like an angel in the movie. And I just, I love it. And look, like, don't talk to me afterwards. It's not theologically accurate. He's an angel. It's not, I just, I love the movie for what it is, a Christmas movie. And I love all that. I love the Christmas food, like all the different festive foods that we have at the Christmas season. In particular, I love this thing called puppy chow. Have you seen, have you heard of puppy chow? I mean, this stuff, man, when it gets in front of me, it's like, get behind me, Satan. I mean, I just will go to town on this stuff and I cannot stop. And it's like, it's just like Chex cereal. And they're just like, hey, milk and Chex cereal wasn't enough carbs. So we got to throw chocolate and peanut butter and powdered sugar on it and just eat it like a snack, right? I mean, I just, I, I love everything about Christmas. And I, I love just taking it all in. But here's the reality, and what's so interesting to me about the Christmas season, and it happens every year, but we always forget it, it always ends. You know, at some point, the Christmas season ends. Now, some of y'all, like, keep your tree up to, like, February, and that's just weird. Like, we'll pray for you. But the Christmas season ends. Like, after December 25th, it's over. And, you know, like, a, a lot of things uh, have changed. Like, uh, you know, your wallet's a little bit lighter, <laughs> And your belly's a little bit bigger. Come on. Because all of the puppy chow. And, you know, like all the magic sort of dies down and dissipates. You start taking some of those gifts back. You start looking at the gifts you have and you're like, what am I going to do with all this clutter? And, and you kind of thought, like, even though like we go through it every year, you kind of, a part of you thought, like, this Christmas season was going to make me whole. And yet you feel almost a little bit more empty. We actually have a phrase that's been coined to describe this. It's called the Christmas blues. It's this low-grade melancholy that kind of sets in after Christmas is over and, and maybe all the, the magic has dissipated and maybe some of the relationships weren't that great. And you sort of have this like, just a little bit of depression after Christmas. And, and my question is, why? Why, why does that trick us? every single year? Why does that happen to us? I think it's because it's telling us that God created us for more than just taking in Christmas. God created us for more than just consuming all the things about Christmas. And listen, I just told you, I love all the things about Christmas and I'm here to take it in. But I think what it's telling us is that Christmas isn't just about taking it all in. There's a bigger purpose for us than that. That we don't just need to consume Christmas. We need to participate in Christmas. We need to partner with the Christ of Christmas. That that's where the wholeness lies. That that's where the fulfillment lies. It's not in the sights and the sounds and the smells. It's in our Savior, Jesus Christ. And it's in realizing that he came to earth. He was sent to earth. But that as we receive him, he sends us. And that Christmas isn't just about receiving, it's about giving. And it's about participating in this mantra, for God so loved the world that he gave his, 
his son, and we get to actually partner in that. And that's where the fullness is found. But if we're not careful this Christmas, all we'll simply do is just take it all in, and we won't partner. See, that's our sermon title today. In the second week of this series, Word Became Flesh, we're looking at this idea that we get to partner in Christmas with Christ. Uh, and to see that, we're going to look at the Gospel of John. We're just going straight through this first part of the passage of gospel of the Gospel of John. And today, we're going to see something really interesting. We're going to see John talk about another John. And he's not talking about himself in the third person. Right? That's just weird. If you do that, that's weird. Stop. Like, John's not doing that. He's talking about a guy named John the Baptist. And it's this kind of weird break. It's this weird pivot. He, last week, we talked about Jesus is the light of the world. He, he is the word at the very beginning. Jesus, Jesus wasn't just born as a baby. He was there at the very beginning. Jesus is the creator and sustainer of all things, right? And Shane did a great job of taking us through that. And we saw all these profound truths about the incarnation, about the Trinity, that God is Father, Son, and spirit, that Jesus is the source of all light and life. And we saw all these great truths, and we're going to see him continue in verse 9. But in between there, we have verses 6 through 8. That commentators, as I read, they, they talked about it like it's kind of an interruption to the light of Christ, to the word became flesh, to all these profound and weighty truths. We get this sort of parenthetical sidebar that includes a man named John the Baptist. So what I want to do today is look at why is this in the text? Why do we get this little interruption? And what does it mean for our lives in terms of partnering with Jesus this Christmas season? All right, so if you haven't already, grab a Bible, John chapter 1, verses 6 through 8. We'll read it, and then we'll break it down. It says this, There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. So here's this big pivot that involves John the Baptist. And if you're new to the Bible, that's okay. We love it that you are here and you're kind of confused because a John is writing about another John. <laughs> uh, what makes it a little bit even more confusing, which is I just have to laugh as I read scripture sometimes, John the Baptist is in all the gospel accounts, like Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and they all call him John the Baptist or John the Baptizer. The only one who just refers to him as John is the gospel writer, John. <laughs> Anybody else find that funny? I was just like, John, can you just, can you just make it a little bit more clear for us? But John just assumes you know, like the difference between the two Johns, that he's talking about this man John the Baptist. And Baptist, not like the denomination, like, you know, some people that are like Southern Baptists will be like, you know, I'm Baptist because John was Baptist. And that's not true. <laughs> that's, and I grew up Baptist and my parents go to a Baptist church. I can say that in front of them, right? He's called John the Baptist because he was John the baptizer. He baptized people in water to call people to repentance and to point the way toward Jesus Christ. That was John the Baptist. He was actually talked about in Isaiah and Malachi in the Old Testament by other prophets who would proclaim his prophetic journey that was ahead to pave the way for Jesus Christ. Right? That's who he's talking about, this man named 
John, and it gets kind of summed up in verse three, and we're going to have a statement on the screen that I think sums it up well. It says, God sends a man, John, to bear witness to the light, Jesus. And again, I want to ask why. Here's the first thing. If you're taking notes, why does God do this? It's because we are spiritually blind and we need to be led to the light. Look at verse seven. It says, John came to bear witness to the light. This was his purpose, to bear witness to the light of Christ. And as I I read this and, and thought through this and prayed through this, I just thought, okay, why do you have to bear witness to a light? You think about this? I mean, if if it was pitch black, dark in this room at night and you couldn't see anything and all of a sudden Jack in the back put on a spotlight, like you wouldn't have to elbow your neighbor and say, hey, there's a light. Do you see the light? No, everybody would, they would fixate on that light because we would be in darkness and we would see this light shine up really bright and we would look to that light. It was like last night at my daughter's dance recital. They would keep the room like pitch black dark. And then before you knew it, like the next song and dance was about to happen. And these little bitty girls with these little bitty tutus with these Christmas lights in the tutus, embedded in the tutus, would just come out prancing on stage. And everything else was dark, but you saw these little lights, Christmas lights light up the stage. And nobody had to bump me and be like, bro, you see those lights? Can you, can you see the lights? And for sure, when my older 14-year-old daughter got out, she didn't have the Christmas lights in her tutu. Sorry, babe. Um, she, but they had a spotlight on her because she was amazing. Y'all should have seen her. So good. Oh, my goodness. And nobody had to tell me, like, do you see the spotlight on Neela? Like, there's a light. I, I just see it, right? So why does John have to bear witness to the light of Christ and testify to the light of Christ. It's because of this. You and I, without the light of Christ, are in darkness, but we don't even know we are because we are blind. So you need to know this, that scripture doesn't just say we are bad. It doesn't just say we are broken. It says we are spiritually blind, that we can't see the light. This is why, like, if you ever think about biblical times and the gospels and you see all these people, even the disciples who walked with Jesus for three years and they're still stumbling over themselves. And that great moment in in the book of Mark where, where Jesus says, who do you say that I am? And only Peter is the one who says, you're the Christ. But then later he denies Jesus as the Christ to a little girl. Why does he struggle with that so much? Why does everybody else struggle with that so much? Even as they're looking at the light of Christ right in front of them. It's because they were spiritually blind. And you and I are spiritually blind. There's a lot of places scripture says this. 2 Corinthians 4.4 is one. It says this, the God of this world has blinded the minds of unbelievers. First Corinthians talks about the cross being folly or foolishness to the world. Now, is the cross folly? No, but it looks like foolishness. It looks like folly to a world who is blind and can't see the wisdom in it. So you and I are, are spiritually blind. We're in darkness, but it's not just that we don't even realize it is darkness. And so we can't see the light. And so it 
John, the gospel writer is saying about John the Baptist is he has to take you and I by the hand and lead us to the light and bear witness to the light to help open up our eyes to the light of Christ. Here's my concern for us. As Christians, as Christians at Christmas time, is that sometimes we don't really see this. Sometimes we, we may know we're bad. We, know, we may know we're broken. I mean, we look at ourselves in the mirror. We know our habits and, and hangups, our anger, our addiction. Like you live with yourself. So you know, you know you're not perfect. And yet you're like, well, I don't know if I'm blind. Like, I mean, I, like, and, and as I read scripture and as I read the Christmas story, like there's some inspirational stories and there's some great moral lessons and there's some verses to memorize. And Tim, I'm, I'm in church. And I take the sacraments and I'm doing all these, these things. And if we're not careful, we can see the Bible. We can see Christmas as an inspirational story, as some moral lessons, as some ways to adjust our behavior. And we can miss this truth that you and I are blind and that we desperately need the light of Christ to invade our spaces. We desperately need to, the light of Christ to be led to us because we can't see it naturally. And see, here, here's why I'm concerned is because here's what will happen this Christmas season. If you, if you just sort of see it like this cute Christmas story, I mean, I believe it, Tim. Like I got the manger scene on my mantle or in my front yard, you know, however you roll. I believe it but it's just Christmas story. It's just kind of cute. And hey, I'm trying to get better this Christmas. And you know, like I may not tie Tim 10% a lot, but like, I'm going to do some tax write-offs. I'm going to bring some $20 toys for the kids. Like Tim, I'm, I'm getting somewhere. And here's what will happen. Only one of two things will happen. You will either get prideful or you will despair. If you see the Christmas story that way, if you don't see that you're blind. You'll get prideful because you'll start to do all these things. And then you'll start to look at everybody when you're driving into Scottsdale Quarter and you can't find a parking space. And you know, like you're, you're buying some toys for other kids. You're not buying stuff for yourself. You have good intentions. And people cut you off and they take your parking spot. And, and you're going to get angry and be like, hey, man, I'm, a, I'm a good person. What you, it's Christmas time. What are you doing, hoodlum? You're just so biased. You're so greedy. Like, I just gave my 10% to the church. Like, I'm good. And you'll start to get prideful and you'll start to become what Jesus calls a whitewashed tomb. Just with merely external behavior modification. And on the outside, you look clean, but on the inside, you're actually dead. You're actually blind. You'll get prideful. If you don't see this reality of we're blind and God opens up our eyes through somebody like John the Baptist and helps us see. If you're not prideful, you'll just go to despair. And this is for a lot of us, man. This is a lot of us. This is why your friends don't want to come to Christmas Eve service. This is why some of you don't want to come to church because it's a reminder to you that there is a moral standard, that there is a way to live, that there is some Christmas magic. And as you get frustrated when you are driving, as you get frustrated when you're shopping, you're like, well, I guess I just don't have the Christmas spirit. I mean, because I'm just not like into this whole thing right now. And I got some problems and, and just, I, I'm sure everybody else is like doing great. They, they dress nice today. They're probably doing fine. But man, Tim, I, I got some brokenness. And as we enter into this Christmas season, it's just accentuated. It's just highlighted. And every time we read the Bible, I'm just reminded, every time I look at these people and every time everybody's singing and they're raising their hands, I'm just like, 
Why are they raising their hands? I, I don't have anything to praise God about. I can't live the way the Bible calls me to live. It's so oppressive. It's out of my reach. And you go to despair, guilt, shame, and numbing. So, so God is here to show us in this vivid imagery of light and darkness. And as John is called to bear witness to the light, he's reminding us, Scripture's reminding you, you don't have to go to pride and you don't have to go to despair. You can be reminded that I was once in darkness and I could not see it, but praise God, amazing grace. I was blind, but now I see. I see. And that's a beautiful reality. Like it's a reality that instead of pridefulness and despair, you can have a confident desperation. You can have a confidence, right? You can look at, I am saved by God, forgiven by God, adopted by God. I am washed clean by God by no merit of my own, but instead by everything Jesus accomplished for me on the cross. And you can be confident of that. That's why, if you don't know why people raise their hands in our church and sing, that's why they're raising their hands. Because they know no matter what they did last night, if they've placed their trust in Jesus Christ, that they are clean before a holy God. Amen? It's amazing. And when you realize, I once was blind, but now I can see, you you start to get confident that Jesus did that for me. But you also get desperate because you know who you were. You weren't just bad. You weren't just broken. You didn't just need some behavior modifications. You were blind in darkness. And you've been rescued into a marvelous light. And when you grasp that, you start to want that light more. You start to to need that light every single day. Like the light of Christ, the people of God, the word of God, the spirit of God. However you can get it, you want more of that light. Listen, I know we live in Phoenix and light gets a bad rap. Like the sun gets a bad rap in Phoenix because it's out every single day. And we're always trying to shield ourselves from it, right? Even yesterday, we are in the Christmas season. It's it's cold outside, but I was at my son's soccer game and... (laughs) My uh, youngest daughter's watching the game, and uh, my youngest daughter made the spelling bee in her grade. Yeah, I'm just going to brag on my kids today. Apparently, that's what I'm doing. Uh, and she had her spelling words, and she's, like, working on them. And she, she was doing something else, though, like in her journal. And she said, Dad, can you hold this uh, paper with the spelling words on it? And I was like, yeah. And so I'm holding it. She's like, yeah, just right there. <laughs> and it was blocking the sun from her eyes. And she, it's good she knows her dad loves her because she legitimately expected me to do that for the entire soccer game, people. Which, if you've ever seen me try to uh, watch my son's soccer game, like, I don't just sit there. (laughs) I wish I did. I'm praying about that. God, purify my soul. Um, But I definitely wasn't going to be able to stand there stationary and hold this over. Like, the sun gets a bad rap, but here's the reality, like a physical reality of the universe. We need the sun to live. And when, listen, I lived in, I've lived in Phoenix, but I lived in Portland for a year. And those people know that truth. Like the one day the sun would be out, like just even like a spotlight of sun, everybody would run to that, like set up camp because they knew they needed the light. 
Listen, that's meant to be us as Christians. That's meant to be us as the Christmas season, is that you're like, man, I'm craving more of the light of Christ. Can I get a Christmas Advent devotional, Tim? Can we sing more songs about Jesus? Can I get in a community? Can we serve our community and share the light of Jesus? Like, I need it to survive. My, my mother and father are in town for the first time in a year and a half, and my dad is officially in remission and cancer-free. Thank you. Sitting right down here, looks great. And man, it, they, it's been way too long since you guys have been here and you guys have been praying for him. Just a, a sidebar, thank you so much for praying for my dad. God moves and heals and um, so thankful for that. But man, just yesterday, my dad is, is 74 years old and has been a Christian for like 60 of those years. And yesterday I'm like, dad, what are you doing? He's like getting out some books and, and pens and I'm like, dad, what are you doing? He's like, I'm doing my Advent devotional in the middle of the day. And listen, I mean, we got three kids. Like, we took them around the, the whole valley to soccer games and dance recitals. Like, I was tired. And I didn't just have cancer treatment and not 74. And my dad's, like, getting out of it, thumbing through everything. And they're like, I, I missed it yesterday. I got to get it in. And my dad's known Jesus for, like, 60 years. Growing up, was in church Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. And he still is like, I, I need the light of Christ. I can't live without the light of Christ. That's the way it should be, is that we, once we realize we were in the darkness, blinded to the light, man, we are so grateful and we're so confident and we're so desperate for more of the light. And my question as we enter into this Christmas season is, do you see it that way? Do you see Christmas that way? Do you see yourself that way? Do you see the light of Christ that way? Do you sing that way? Do you serve that way? Do you give that way? That's what we're meant to do. The second thing we see from this passage is that God chooses to partner with people to accomplish his purposes. Look at verse 7 with me. It says, John came to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. It's interesting. If you notice really closely, you have to look closely to see this. Verse 7 says that all might believe through him. You would think that's talking about Jesus, but it's actually talking about John the Baptist. That all might believe through John the Baptist. Believe in Jesus, John says, but believe through John the Baptist. And this is something that we see in Scripture a lot of times. One place is Romans chapter 10, verse 14. It says, how can they believe in one of whom they have never heard? And how can they hear unless someone proclaims him? And who will go to them unless he is sent? See, the reality is scripture is going to show us all throughout the Bible, Old Testament and New, that God can do anything himself. Like God can do anything himself. Can we agree on that today? We see Jesus even silent storms himself. No help of man. We see in the Old Testament, God dropped bread or manna down from the sky with no help. God can do anything, and he does at times. But we see throughout Scripture, God uses broken people to further his message, to accomplish his purposes. The same people that were in darkness but didn't know it. Do you ever think about that? I mean, it should be like mind blown 
Like even when you think about your life, but when you look at the, the Old Testament characters and people like Abraham and Moses, like Moses killed the guy. And God's like, yeah, I'm gonna lead my people out of slavery and into freedom. And you guys are gonna be the model and sort of this model for the gospel to speak ahead of the gospel into the New Testament of how God delivers his people. And I'm gonna use a guy who murdered someone. God chooses to do that. He could have done it a different way, amen? But he chooses to do it through Moses. Chooses to work through a guy like David, an adulterer and a murderer, double whammy. And he says, like, that's a man after my own heart. The only holy person God ever uses in the Bible is Jesus Christ. Everybody else is broken, and yet he, he gives us 66 books, 40-plus authors, to put this on display that God uses people who, who used to be blind but now can see, and they don't just encounter and experience and embrace the light. They extend the light, and, and Jesus even says that. It's so interesting. John chapter 8, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. But then in Matthew chapter 5, he says to the disciples and people following him and you, you are the light of the world. Isn't that crazy? Like, he is the light, but also you are the light. Don't put it under a bushel. Oh, no. Right? We experience the light as spiritually blind people. We're rescued out of it. But then we're called to proclaim it and bear witness to it. What does it mean to bear witness? Simply share the truth of what you've seen and heard about Jesus Christ in your own life. Like that's what John the Baptist was doing. That's what we are called to do as well. And God, this is his way of extending his light, of seeing people be rescued out of darkness and into light. His plan A, there's no plan B, is the church of Jesus Christ. People that used to be blind and are like, I can see a little bit now. God does that with us. It was interesting reading commentaries this week, and they talked about this section of John and how just from a literary perspective that it's really interesting that this parenthetical sidebar of John the Baptist, just it's kind of an interruption. It's kind of an inconvenience to this beautiful, majestic passage that's all about Jesus being the light of the world. And then there's this pivot to there was a man named John. And commentators are like, hey, was this like supposed to be somewhere else in the gospel narrative? And they just like put it back in this spot. Like it's so clunky. It's kind of messy. It's a little bit awkward. I just, I, I loved reading that <laughs> because we are messy and awkward and clunky. And so God puts people in the midst of the light of the world, this majestic thing, this, and God puts some messy, inconvenient interruptions called people called John the Baptist, called you and me in there. See, it is messy. Some of you are thinking, Tim, is this like the sermon where you tell us like, we should share the gospel more? We should go door to door, knock on doors, and be like, hey, where are you going if you die today? And you're like, are you telling me something? Are you going to kill me? <laughs> I don't know why we ask those questions that way, but sometimes we do. Is this the sermon where you make us feel guilty about evangelism? And I would say, if that's your first response, again, you haven't experienced the light of Christ. Because when you start to realize like the darkness and the blindness that you came from and God brought you into his majestic light, even with your interruption, even though you're messy and awkward and you get it wrong sometimes, when you start to realize that that's God's 
tool, your instruments in the Redeemer's hands. You get to be a part of his eternal life-changing message. You get to be a part of that. You get to partner in that. When you realize that, you can't help but share it. You can't help but bear witness to that light. Because listen, you're not bearing witness to behavior. You're bearing witness to belief in what Jesus has already done on your behalf. Who doesn't want to share that good news? That's it's, it's The gospel it literally means good news. You have good news to share. Do you see it that way? We have some people in our church who are leading the way in this and just did recently. And I want to show you a quick example of what that looks like. Turn your attention to the screen. I found out we were doing a VBS. So like the Vacation Bible School with the kids. And I love working with children. I just love the opportunity to like do crafts and games and little like Bible verses. Um, so right away, I just really wanted to do the VBS with them, get to meet some different kids and just hang out with them. People who've had the most success are the people who are just confident and jump right into forming a bond with the kids. Even through the language barrier, that can be done just by doing things with them, just being there and playing games with them. It won't be long before one of them is grabbing your hand and pulling you somewhere, saying like, come here, come here. I'd, I'd recommend this trip to anyone that can come out. There's a big difference between talking about the God of many nations and imagining God in a completely different setting. But then there's experiencing it. There's experiencing witnessing worship and prayer in another language or a complete different setting. Such a blessing, such a blessing. I had this built up ego that small missions couldn't do enough and that there was something that God couldn't do there, even though that's completely false. God can do things in small mission trips and big mission trips. He's everywhere we go for however long we can be there. We celebrate those guys. And I, I don't know if you know, those guys aren't professional ministers. They're college students. And they went to Mexico and they, they bore witness to the light of Christ. And some of you are like, well, Tim, that, that's cute for them. Like, but I, I got a job and I'm not in college anymore. And like, I got a lot of responsibility. Did you know that there was people who just committed to pray for them? And that that's part of bearing witness to the light too? There was people who came around them. And man, there's just, there's so many ways we can share what we've seen and heard about the light of Christ and step out into that. Here's the reality. And here's what we see in this text and throughout the whole Bible, really, is that the question is not, are you a witness or are you not? The question is, are you a good one? Because everybody who's experienced the light of Christ is now called to extend the light of Christ. That's why Jesus says in John chapter 20, the Father sent me, so now I send you. That's why he says in the Great Commission, make disciples of all nations, that, that you are, if you're a Christian, you're meant to share and show the light and love of Jesus with everybody around you. And so the question is like, not like, well, am I a witness or am I not? The question is, are you a good one? Are you bearing witness to the light of Christ? Or are you bearing witness to some good works? Are you bearing witness to this, this amazing, beautiful story that you've been rescued out of darkness and blindness and into his marvelous light through the cross and resurrection of Jesus? 
Is that what you're bearing witness to? Or is it something else? What places, what people has God sent you to? You see, we could very easily, in in verse six, we could very easily replace our name with John's. For God sent a man. His name was Tim or Jimmy or Jenna. God sent you too. For there was a church that God sent and their name was Phoenix Bible Church. We're in this too, amen? And as we have to assess, like in this Christmas season, are we participating, are we partnering like that? And friends, if you don't, you're just gonna have the Christmas blues yet again. If you just go to all the parties and you just do all the lights and the festivities, even if you watch The Preacher's Wife, You'll be better for it. I'm just telling you, just take that one for free. But if you don't partner, if you just take it all in this Christmas season, you'll be left wanting because you were created and designed for something more. You were created to partner with the word who became flesh. You were created to start talking to your neighbors and your coworkers, to hand them this info card about Christmas Eve, to, to put it on your, or your fridge and at parties, just speak about it and be like, hey, check out my family picture, but also, bam, Christmas Eve invite card. You're created for that. You're created for that. It's like, I'll, I'll close here. It's like, um, how do we do this? I think a lot of us are like, well, I don't feel equipped. I didn't go to seminary. Like, I don't know the right words. It gets kind of awkward and messy. And um, how do we do it? Uh, I was thinking about it this way. My kids, all three of them, they have these uh, star projectors in their rooms. And so every night, they're not night lights, right, guys? No, that's, that's not cool. Um, they're star projectors, okay? And every night, every single one of them, all the way up to 14, like turns that star projector on. And it's really cool. Like in the midst of that, that night and that darkness, it shines these great stars all across their room. And some of them shine the Milky Way. It's great. And that's really nice because when I was little, I don't know about you guys, we just had the plastic stars that you glued to the ceiling. Anybody? Yeah, some, some people feel me on this. And listen, their star projectors, they stay glowed up all night because they're plugged in. Our little glued on stars to the ceiling, so pathetic, like they went out in like 20 minutes. Now why? Because those you had to charge up with light. They couldn't light themselves. How do we do this? How do we bear witness to the light? We attach ourselves, we charge ourselves up with the source of light, Jesus Christ. Here's the first step for many of you. Jesus should be at the center of your life. He is the source of all light and life. Connect with him this Christmas. And the more you cling to him, the more he charges you up, and the more you start to have the words to say. You start to have the actions to do because you're connected to the light and you can't help but share that light with others. You will shine in the darkness if you do that. Let's pray. God in heaven, thank you so much for this this morning. Thank you so much for this opportunity to encounter the light of Jesus. God, I, I do pray that we would experience that afresh and anew today and in this Christmas season, that we would not settle for simply coming to some religious services, for taking part in some festivities. God, I know there's, there's lots of those, and I, I love those too, but but God, you have so much more in store for us than that. And what an what a amazing, joyful journey that we get to be on, that we get to be rescued out of darkness and blindness, 
into your marvelous light, but you don't stop there. You don't just save us, you send us. And we get to have a purpose, every single man and woman and child in this room. God, as they connect to you, their source of light, God, they have this amazing, eternal, weighty purpose to extend this light to other people. And God, I I just pray for our church. I pray that Phoenix Bible Church would be that kind of church this Christmas, that we would cling to you more than we ever have, no matter if we've been walking with you for six weeks or 60 years, that we would cling to you as the light that we need just to make it every single day. And God, you would move in and through us to our city, many of whom who are in darkness and don't even know it, who are blind and they need us. You've called us, God, to take people by the hand and show them your marvelous light and your good news. Help us to do that. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. And everybody said, amen. Amen.